It's time for the show that scours the globe for news that interests you. We've scoured a few other planets, too. Didn't find much. Coming to you almost live from their command center just beneath the Earth's crust, here's Jeremy Bray and Wesley Faulkner with Global Geek News. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 72 of the Global Geek News Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are going well. Um, it's been a nice, long three-day weekend, and I'm actually looking forward to the week ahead. Well, lucky you. You got a three-day weekend. Mine was just a normal weekend. Uh, oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> well, not terribly normal, because you did have a birthday. Yeah, but even that still turned into a normal Saturday, just about. But yeah, yeah, it was. I'm another year older, another year closer to death. Whoop de doo. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've never been one to put much stock into birthdays or even a whole lot of holidays, for that matter. Yeah, well, it is an excuse to be a little selfish, though. Yeah, but it's also an excuse as to where I have to see family that I don't care to see. Oh. Okay. Well, then, so, yes, that could. As long as they bear gifts, at least that that uh, lessens the blow a little bit. Yeah, as long as they bring cash, it doesn't. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. But if they don't bring cash, then it's like okay, this day sucked. Well, but anyway, um, yeah. So, did you do anything? Go to see any big fireworks shows or anything? Actually, no. Didn't even look for fireworks. I saw a couple while driving from one place to another, but didn't watch any TV shows um, that were featuring fireworks or anything like that. Didn't go and seek them out. It's just that uh, it seems like the crowds are more trouble to deal with than it is worth it to, to fight to see fireworks outside. Um, all the good spots are taken, traffic is hectic, and um, it's, I, I end up leaving angrier than when I started. So um, I just enjoyed the time off instead of and celebrated my own little way. Yeah, I've never been one to go to fireworks shows and stuff. I've always just shot off my own fireworks, and this is the first year that I didn't shoot any off, which kind of a strange feeling, but... Ended up having to stay inside with the dog because he's deathly afraid of fireworks, which wasn't too bad. Watched a couple of TV shows, worked on one of my netbooks for a little while, and got to watch the movie 21, which is... I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. That's going to be like the fifth time I've seen that movie. I don't know why, but I like that movie. You gamble at all? Once in a while I'll do a little bit of poker, but I've never been a huge blackjack person once in a while I'll play a game or two but usually that's just on little handheld poker game machines that we happen to get every so often hmm. okay yeah I used to be huge in the blackjack now Texas Holdem's my game yeah that, that's kind of the way I've gone too but I, I don't know I never seem to find a whole lot of 
people that seem to be into blackjack anymore. It's like everybody's all poker. Yeah. Poker. It's a, it's a new fun game. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's nice every once in a while, but what, it, I, don't, I don't know. Most of the time I probably spend, when I'm playing card games and stuff, it's usually poker. But once in a while I like a good game of blackjack. But anyway, we've got a whole bunch of stories. Well, the usual number of stories. Plus several tips of the week, which all of which you can find at globalgeeknews.com. So feel free to follow along with us as we go through our stories. Starting with, YouTube has apparently been hacked. And it's mainly to target Justin Bieber videos. Yeah, this is, this is insane because of how easy it was. So basically, uh, hackers put in, in their comment sense, uh, system, uh, a script. And it was being executed on, on, uh, and uh, so just a simple cross-site scripting uh, uh, hole that they took advantage of. I would think that they would, they would be better at this by now, especially with uh, all the web properties that they own, uh, that they would catch something like this. Especially since there's so much, uh, so much focus has been on cross-site sh- uh, scripting bugs and, and holes. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that nobody's managed to even find this before uh, in the hacking community or whatever. Apparently somebody realized, oh, hey, I can put some malformed HTML into the comments and inject my own script in there. And as soon as this was discovered, well, 4chan decided to have a whole lot of fun with it. They kind of flooded all the Justin Bieber videos and made it as to where when you went to watch a video it would do anything from redirecting them to um, like a porn site to calling them not so nice names and right. all. or saying that Justin Bieber is dead <laughs> yeah that, that was the entertaining one I don't know apparently they redirected some people to one man one jar I'm not sure I necessarily want to know what that one means yeah, I'm, I did not look that up. <laughs> yeah, if if that's anything like a two girls, one cup kind of thing, I don't want to know. But at the same time, I'm kind of surprised that I don't know about it. I'd never yeah. heard of it, which that kind of surprises me. But yeah, I, I'm really surprised. Apparently, YouTube had everything fixed within about two hours. I guess it took them an hour to realize kind of what was going on and to uh, hide all the comments and then about two hours to come up with at least a temporary fix until they can get something a little bit more permanent done. So yeah, I'm guessing there's got to be some other vulnerabilities until, or something else that can be done from ha- by hackers until they get like a real permanent fix in there. Yeah, lucky for me, this was the one day I didn't do a search for Justin Bieber and look at his videos, so <laughs> I was safe. I've never seen the Justin Bieber video. <laughs> well, also, surprisingly, they didn't do anything worse. Uh, apparently, all of the reports are just redirects and some videos, but nothing uh, terribly malicious was done. Yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't expect anything too horribly malicious out of 4chan unless you like pissed 4chan off. But, yeah, something like forwarding people to... One man, one jar, or saying that Justin Bieber's 
did that that makes sense coming out of 4chan but 4chan doesn't usually do too much in the way of something malicious unless you go after them first yeah yeah well I wouldn't want to mess with them uh, and uh, and and they can hit the big guys even Google so um, no one's safe because they'll find a way if they if they really 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 want to yeah that's why everybody on the internet knows you don't screw with 4chan because that's probably the one group of people that could actually take down the entire internet if they wanted to. Yeah, I think they're pretty elite users. I mean, these aren't just run-of-the-mill people messing around. These are people probably with full-time jobs um, inside of Google and inside of Microsoft and inside of Facebook and all the major web properties. They probably know exactly how to hit people because they have a lot of inside information. Well, I don't remember their exact... uh, statistics cuz i believe it was came out of the ted conference cuz moot or that's the name that the guy goes by that founded the site said that they're the largest bunch of forums on the internet they get i don't know how many like tens of millions of views a month and whatever and it's kind of impressive if you ever go there and see what they have going on there but at the same time it's very not safe for work yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't go there unless you uh, have like also a a firewalled browser. You you, you don't want to expose yourself to that website. Yeah, that, that's one of the dark corners of the internet that you kind of want to be careful of. I gotta say they have they are starting to do a little bit better of about patrolling some of the stuff that that's on there, trying to keep some of the more illegal stuff off of there which is good but speaking of hacking apparently there's some developers that are hacking iTunes accounts yeah so Apple is vulnerable and um, so when the, the, the hack was made um, that if you purchase a small uh, cheap little app and you think it's it's inexpensive um, the same app can then purchase other apps that are more expensive um, that are made by the same developer to kind of funnel cash towards them and also to boost their status in the iTunes marketplace. Yeah, I'm kind of curious how this whole hack works that apparently when somebody buys a developer's apps, they're able to get enough information about them or something that, or they have direct access to their accounts that they can purchase other apps in, well, in place of it, the user. It, it could be a part of the in, uh, in-app purchase system that they would be able to cash the credentials of the uh, of the iTunes account, um, and then instead of purchasing add-ons for that application, they're able to purchase full apps. Um, at least that would be my guess. Hmm. Could be. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm guessing they've got to have some way. They've got to be using some kind of like a key logger or something to figure out your password and stuff because I know with like my iPod touch if I go more than a little bit without between purchases it'll ask me from to enter my password again so I'm guessing they must have figured some way around that or well I really don't know how things work with in-app purchases but I'm guessing right. they probably figured some way out around that as to where there's a whole bunch of people all over the world that are getting charged all kind of 
kinds of money between $100 and $1,400 buying all kinds of these low-cost apps from like $1 to $3 all the way up to $90 plus, which in turn runs these apps all the way up to the top of the um, most purchased apps or whatever in the i in the app store so everybody else sees oh hey these are popular apps i should check them out then they go get them and then of course they end up getting hacked yeah and so uh a good rule of thumb if you have seen this on your account or if you're afraid that this might happen to go ahead and change your uh, itunes password and uh on the site it says to call or email apple but as a person who has uh, been a victim of erroneous iTunes purchases, um, seeing that I don't have an Apple product, <laughs> and then um, someone spent over $600 in iTunes, um, it's better just to go straight to the credit card company and dispute those charges. Yeah, I'd prob- I don't know who I'd call first. Well, with me, I don't think they can necessarily get away with this for me without me knowing it right away, just because I have my iTunes account linked to my PayPal account. So the second I purchase something or something gets purchased, I immediately get an email telling me what got purchased for how much and whatever. And even then it usually takes like a day or so before the purchase ever hits my bank. So I usually mm-hmm. have enough of a notice that I can get something stopped before something bad happens. At least with iTunes. Yeah, which is good. Um, and uh, I, I wonder how hard it would be to set up something like that that you did. Yeah, in my case, you know, it's not too bad. I mean, just whenever you have a site that you do a lot of buying from, if they have an option of having a default account for um, who you pay with, just automatically set it as like PayPal or whatever, or if there's oh. another service that essentially does the same thing, like a Google checkout or like whatever Amazon's payment system or Visa's payment system that we talked about what was it last week or whatever. Okay. But okay, yeah. so okay, so it's not something like uh, so you just use PayPal as an option instead of right. That. I don't know how it works with iTunes, so I didn't know that you can even do that. Uh huh. Yep. That, that's the way I have it done. That's that way. I've got multiple emails about everything, and I make sure that everything's the way it should be. Just a nice right, way well, of keeping you from getting hacked. Although I probably shouldn't have said that my iTunes account was connected to my PayPal account. <laughs> I don't know if that was a good idea or not, but at least it's the suggestion for everybody out there that wants to train keep an eye on stuff rather than having it maybe directly to their credit card and then not find out until their credit card statement shows up at the end of the month. Yeah, this is huge for Apple. This is something that I'm wondering what they're going to reply officially and say um, because they've touted their walled garden and they've really dissed Android's marketplace of saying that it's the wild, wild west. Um, But... Uh, seeing as they are one of the most popular app stores, uh, this is something that they're going to have to find a way to uh, really, really make sure that people feel safe using it, especially since it is attached to directly to people's accounts in some cases. 
yeah, I'm kind of curious to know how this happened, that it got past their walled garden and what exactly they're going to do to try and remedy the situation. And I'm also kind of curious to know how vulnerable, like, the Android marketplace is or the BlackBerry marketplace, whatever it's called, or the Windows Mobile marketplace and whatever. Just to know, I'm just curious how vulnerable they are to this same kind of scheme if it's possible to do with them. I know with Windows Phone 7 there won't be in-app purchases right away, so assuming that is how the hack occurred, I'm guessing that won't be a problem, or at least not right away on Windows Phone 7 devices. Yeah. Well, the only way to prevent something like this is to have vendors submit source instead of submit binaries, which uh, I don't think anybody would be feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. What I'm kind of wondering is, like, with the case of Google a couple of weeks ago, they yanked a bunch of apps off of of people's phones that were um, supposedly there was like some security related issues and stuff. I'm kind of curious to know if Apple is going to be doing the same thing with people who purchase these apps, if they're going to be going in and yanking them off of people's phones and iPods and stuff, and iPads. Well, they better. Yeah, that's something they have to do if it poses a threat. Um, I guess they could could limit it on the other end, but um, saying that if there's a purchase from this app, block it. But it's they should just probably remove all those publishers' applications from devices too. Yeah, but I fear that if they do that, that's going to open up a whole other can of worms. Yeah, well, it's a responsible thing to do. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well, speaking of interesting things, apparently there's a new TV show just for BitTorrent that has become a huge success. Yeah, the show is called Pioneer One, and it was distributed uh, through a Vodo. Uh, which is uh, some sort of distribution platform that I'm not familiar with, but yeah, it Voodoo sh- is. Um, oh, it's Voodoo. It like Voodoo, like like the. Uh, I, I'm guessing that's supposed to be Voodoo. Well, maybe Voodoo spelled V-U-D-O. Now that I yeah. or V-U-D-U, I can't think of how they spell their little set-top box thing now. That's basically it's two O's. Screen. I think. I think it's two O's. Voodoo. Is it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to Google this to make sure before it <laughs> drives me nuts. Well, it's uh, spelled Vodo. <laughs> uh, V-U-D-U. So, okay. So this is Vodo, whatever that is. Yeah. So it's strictly over uh, like BitTorrent and P2P networks, and um, I have not heard of it before this, reading this article. I have it downloaded and sitting on my hard drive. Hope to check it out. But I think this... The plot line is that uh, the, there's some sort of uh, radiation emanating across the whole of North America, and um, some agents have been tasked to go out and find the source of the threat. And uh, so they're wearing radioactive suits, and they're out there trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, th- this is one of those small little independent projects with just a group of a couple of guys doing it or whatever, yet it's managed to get more than a million downloads in two weeks, making it 
more popular than the new episodes of like True Blood, Family Guy, and Doctor Who that released in the same time period, which that's pretty impressive for something that's bit torn only that a lot of people have never heard of. I before this I hadn't heard of it, and I plan on going to go download it after we get done tonight, just because BitTorrent and Skype don't play well. Or let mm-hmm. me put it this way: BitTorrent and my router don't play well if I want to use anything else at the same time. Yeah, but yeah. and apparently they raised twenty thousand dollars for the next three episodes, that, which they'll be starting. Uh, they'll be filming that starting in September. Yeah, apparently they're asking. They have an option for donations when you download the movie, or there's an option on their website or whatever. And out of the millions of downloads, they've managed to raise twenty thousand dollars, which is apparently enough to get um, pre-production going for the first for the next three episodes and now so now they're working on writing those they've got to cast the new characters and just figure out what kind of cameras they're going to get and everything else which I don't know why you wouldn't use the same cameras you used before that seems a little odd to me unless you're wanting to do some kind of a major upgrade but yeah I'm kind of surprised at just how well this seems to be taking off considering the fact that Big media doesn't want to have anything to do with BitTorrent, with the with a couple of small exceptions. I, th- I think maybe the BBC is using BitTorrent to an extent. Yeah, this is definitely going to be something that will legitimize BitTorrent, and uh, also uh, have one of those cases of why it should never be blocked, especially when we're talking about net neutrality. Yeah, it's going to definitely turn some heads, and if these couple of guys are getting this kind of popularity with like no press or anything until this kind of came out you know that there's going to be some big hollywood studios that are going to be looking to hire them too yeah yeah if you got you know crap my dad says on twitter that gets a few followers uh this is a pretty lengthy video and it get and it gets over a million downloads uh, they're definitely going to garner the attention of some studio. Um, what they also plan on doing with the money raised is to have steady episode releases, which is good. Um, so it it won't be sporadic, and it'll be a pretty good interval of uh, once a week or once every two weeks or whatever that interval, interval will be. Yeah, apparently there's people that are already a little antsy to watch the next episode saying, gee, it's been a week, there should have been another episode by now. Mm-hmm. So, so that's good. I'm gonna check it out. Hopefully, it's good. Yeah, if if it's getting that, if it's getting more downloads than True Blood, it's got to be pretty good. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of peer to peer and stuff like that, apparently the RIAA has said that they are sending over a million copyright infringement warnings per year. Yeah. So they started. Um, Back in October 2008, um, and from their statistics, um, they spent they sent over a million notices in a year. But these are just once again these are warnings. These aren't actual uh, threats of lawsuit directly. Um, this is a warning saying, "Hey, we see that you're doing this suspicious behavior." Um, and a good chunk of those warnings went through uh, universities and colleges in the United States. Yeah, for quite a while there, they were pretty much targeting almost solely 
universities and stuff because with them they know that they can get a whole lot more cooperation especially mm-hmm. now that that um oh no i can't think of the name of the act here it's somewhere towards the bottom of the article uh the higher education opportunity act of 2008 finally went into effect starting this month saying that if schools don't do anything to keep people from doing any illicit file sharing on campus, they can lose their funding. Yeah, also it threatens the student um, that they could lose their their opportunity for federal student loans um, if they're found in violation of, of the act, too. Yeah, and usually when they're doing stuff like this, the university has their policy for using the school's networks that you're not going to be doing stuff like this or whatever that they make you sign at when you first start the school or at the first of a new semester or school year or whatever. And those say that if you violate that, you can get suspended or expelled or whatever. So by the RIAA sending messages there, that that's going to get a whole lot more people's attention and it's actually going to do something more as far as getting people to stop downloading since it seems to be that like around colleges and stuff are the biggest areas for having a lot of illicit file sharing. Yeah, but also um, I think it's less illicit file sharing in, in colleges, but I think it's innovation. It's just because, uh, like, if you look how Facebook started, it started in a dorm room. You look at how Dell started, it started in a dorm room. Uh, colleges are usually the hotbed of development and um, forward thinking. So I think this restriction specifically focusing on university networks because, um, it, in some cases, this is uh, privately held networks of the university. Um, why should they be any different than a Comcast or a Time Warner? I think this is, uh, I understand that they, they feel that most of the infringements are on the networks, but if you look at the whole, even though a big chunk went to universities, was it uh, over a quarter of a million? Um, uh, it's still uh, less than the outstanding other networks, which have to be non-university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to know. I'd like to see some statistics as far as how many people change their piracy habits based on getting these warnings, especially now that they've stopped suing people. So essentially they're just sending these legal warnings, but they're not going to sue you in the end unless maybe you're like sharing like a million songs or something. Yeah, they could be making just better pirates. <laughs> People are uh, better able to cover up their tracks. Yeah, I know that's what I would do. If one of those warnings showed up at my door, I'd just cover my tracks better. i do what I can as it is. But there's still a number of other steps that I could take that I haven't taken that if one of those things showed up at my door, I'd probably change things a little bit to make sure that that doesn't happen again, especially if I know that there's no real teeth behind the letters that they're sending. Yeah, exactly. Be like, oh, time to move on to 
DEFCON 3 and use these other encryption screen schemes or uh, masking or ghosting utilities. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of file sharing, apparently the UK has rejected the ACTA calls to criminalize illicit file sharing. Yeah, they think that uh, having a mandatory jail time for what they consider minor uh, minor uh, offenses is something that they're not willing to take. Yeah, apparently as far as the, US, the UK is concerned is that this should just be a framework for enforcing existing intellectual property laws, not trying to rewrite them and force them on a whole bunch of different countries. Yeah, most of uh, this is in commentary to ACTA's request for more of a three-strikes approach to putting people in jail uh, if they have been found to be infringing um, or trading copyrighted files. Um, And since ACTA is a secret treaty, a lot of this discussion has been uh, going on behind closed doors. But since it's been leaked, uh, some of this discussion has spilled out into the press. Well, unless something has changed in the real recent negotiations, the last leaked copy that I saw, the three strikes thing had ended up getting thrown out. But in the end, it seemed like it was basically trying to take the DMCA and apply it to all the other countries of the world if they can. Yeah. Um, But this is another blow for ACTA um, as more countries find out uh, exactly what was in the original version, um, their communities and their constituents have been speaking up about what they don't want in it. And I think this is in direct correlation to that. Yeah, it seemed like they tried to send this through as fast as they could in secret until people found out about it. And then at that point, they were you tried to get it through even faster, and mm-hmm. the wheels just kind of ended up starting to fly off, and now it's about to end up in a total wreck there's been a couple of stories that I have wanted to include in the show but ended up not happening just because we already had enough stories or whatever about like India's issues with ACTA and everything so it's not like the UK is the only one right and this actual pirating portion related to digital media is just a portion of the treaty it is um uh, much larger than just this one issue, but of course this is something that we're focusing on. Hopefully this is an item that they'll let go by the wayside so that the whole thing could pass if it is beneficial for all countries. Um, but since this this this, this um, digital millennium uh, copyright act, the MCA um, portion is in this, I think um, maybe they should just hold off on another revision and let this one go through as is. I mean, I shouldn't say as is, I mean, without that in, uh, included. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't like tried to rename it from ACTA to something else to yeah. see if they could try and pass it through that way like they're essentially doing with climate change. But that's kind of a whole other issue, and this isn't a political show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of surprised they haven't. They aren't trying some other tactics to try and get this through. But it seems like there's enough opposition on different things here and there from different countries that 
I think it's going to end up all falling apart. Yeah, and I think um, with how strong the UK is, I mean, they're not a minor player in this whole thing. Um, their opposition speaks volumes to um, the the other countries. It's like you mentioned, like Africa, um, to the in developing nations, how it could be overly restrictive. Um, I think for that reason, just this one reason, this article means that that portion will not go forward about um, about mandatory jail time. Yeah, that'll be a good thing. Yeah. But speaking of copyright cases being fought out in court, apparently a judge has rejected all of the EFF's arguments in the peer-to-peer cases where that um, U.S. copyright group out of D.C. is trying to sue 5,000 people all at once for downloading the Hurt Locker or... I think this one is the Hurt Locker, or if this one is um, Far Cry, or if this is a combination of both. But well, it's the same. It's the same firm that represents the interests of those other items, but I don't think it has, ever specifies specifically um, uh, which which individual film or movie um, that was downloaded. But this could be everyone related to that, since they are representing all of them as clients. It could be one suit wrapping up all the movies and uh, the infringers into one. Um, but basically, the judge said that the compromise is that you guys cannot represent everybody else just like um, you guys are against um, all these files, be, uh, these, uh, all these defendants being put into one case. Um, if they have a problem with it, they have to come by one by one and dispute those on their own merits instead of uh, listening to the RIAA and the EFF. I'm sorry, not the RIAA, ACLU and the EFF on um, their, their defending of these clients. Yeah, so what I'm wondering, well, and one of the other things is that people can dispute it on the grounds of jurisdiction or whatever, because all mm-hmm. of these are being filed in D.C., yeah. well, these people, I'm sure most, if not all of them, don't live in D.C. Right. Some live in Hawaii. Yeah. They live all over the country. The, the act of infringement incurred where they're at, not in D.C. So, I mean, there's certainly some issues as far as jurisdiction that can be brought up and as far as the judge is concerned if people want to bring those up individually they're more than welcome to do that so that's kind of hopefully there's be enough people that kind of fight back against it but I'm kind of wondering if since all the parties have to agree on the terminology and the letters that are going to be sent to people and Mm -hmm. what their options are for um, trying to get it tossed before their names are revealed and whatever. I'm kind of curious to know if, like, the EFF and the ACLU can't essentially stonewall it and say, okay, we never, we don't agree to your terms, we want this, which we know you'll never accept, so you're not going to budge, we're not going to budge, so nothing's going to happen. Well, one thing is for sure is that these this law firm representing the interests of these copyright holders, they are pretty good. Um, since they were able to get all of EF, the EFF and the ACLU obje- uh, ACLU's 
objections nullified by the court. So I'm, I feel that if they detect that they can't get compromised, that they'll they'll force the judge to 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 force a compromise. Yeah, I'm guessing they probably would, but who knows? It seems like they don't really, they aren't as invested in it as they want people to think. Because I remember originally, kind of when this story started to come out, that as far as they were concerned, they didn't didn't seem to be too interested in actually taking people to court. They're just sending them these letters saying, "Hey, pay us fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred bucks, and we'll forget the whole matter, or otherwise we might take you to court." And as far as they're concerned, we'll just see how many idiots are going to send us a check for twenty five hundred bucks. Right, and since they have to go to D.C., it might actually be cheaper to pay the and settle and pay the pay pay the settlement, and instead of finding a flight to D.C. or hiring a lawyer to file an appeal. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of curious to see just how this continues to play out. This is probably the one major piracy-related lawsuit that I've been paying a lot of attention to, especially now that we don't have a Jammy Thomas or anything to Mm -hmm. pay attention to. Right. And it's the one that has Time Warner um, backing... Uh, the backing the the defendant saying that we don't want to comply. Also, yeah, and I hear Comcast is joined up with that as well. Oh, good. I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything in terms of Comcast's ability to process these requests like we have for Time Warner, and that they can only process a couple dozen requests a month or whatever because they only have what is it three people that do all the lookups and everything. Yeah, four. Yeah, but yeah, apparently they've joined on to be against this as well. Which you'd think the judge would see how many all the different groups that are against this, and kind of think, gee, maybe something's not right here. Especially considering this practice that this is essentially the business model for this law firm has been banned in other countries. Oh. Yeah, but heaven forbid we happen to have a judge around here that knows anything. But at least there are some people that might be able to go to D.C. to fight any allegations, That those being the Palm employees, since HP seems to be getting rid of all of them. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of free time on their hands. Um, and, and this is because during the finalization of the acquisition, which was just this past week, um, HP wasted no time in releasing the employees that um, they found redundant or um, just don't have a need for since they're focusing straight uh, only on webOS. So if, if uh, so I'm guessing they're just keeping engineers and even those engineers could be whittled off to those who are willing to play ball by HP's terms. Yeah, basically they bought them for the technology and the patents. And as far as they're concerned, the only people they need are the the people that really, really understand, like the WebOS. Everybody else can hit the road. All right. And those people still might be getting HP employees up to speed, like those in the printer division or their tablet divisions, uh, on how to program or how to uh, understand the the kernel itself. And then they might not be able to stay past that. Yeah, I'm kind of... Curious to see if there's going to be 
what other companies are going to be picking up these employees because I mean there's always been a kind of a long battle between Apple and Palm. Well, I wonder if right. they're going to go over to Apple. Or... Yeah, and but uh, Google's already snapped up some uh, some Palm employees, so that could be another haven for them. Yeah, they could go over to Google. Could, I'm sure Microsoft could always use a few with Windows Phone 7 coming out. But, yeah, I'm, I was kind of surprised when I heard this story. I mean, I understood that they were buying them from, for the patents, and that's what I thought should have been done to begin with. Still not sure HP was the right one to buy them, but I think that was certainly the... Um, right way to do it, but I'm kind of curious to know just how many employees have been laid off and just how big of an effect that's going to have on something like the HP Slate, which is supposed to be running the WebOS. Yeah, I think that's totally scrapped, if you if you ask me. I think the processor was wrong. I know Intel said that they are actually pointing Android, porting Android over um, to x86, Mm-hmm. So that um, Atom processors can run Android, and so I feel that if there is, if we're talking about the original hardware of the Slate, that could be something that they might do. Uh, but uh, I think they're going to probably focus on ARM-based processors for um, a new tablet for HP. Yeah, I I, um, I saw a story this morning that was talking a little bit about Android 3.0 that I think is supposed to be out in, like, October or something like that. I don't remember the name of the code name for it. I think it's, like, Gingerbread or something like that, but it's supposed to support a much higher resolution for tablets and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see if the Slate turned into an Android device instead. But at the same time, I don't know if Microsoft would let that happen, considering... They showed it off at CES as a Windows device, and to see that turn over and become an Android device, I don't think Balmer would be too terribly happy over that. Yeah. Well, the one one thing is clear is that by the beginning of next year, we're going to have a lot of choices um, from HP, from LG, from Samsung, from all these companies coming out with slates. Yeah, I, I don't know, I'm kind of curious to see just what all these other companies are going to do in terms of an OS because I think the iPad is good with the OS that it has but every time you try and throw a full-blown version of Windows on a pad it never works out well so I'm kind of curious to see just what way they go if they go Android or they come up with their own OS or just how that's going to end up playing out I think that's going to be the most interesting part of it yeah Good thing is there will be plenty of competition, so prices should be uh, pretty competitive with all these platforms. I hope so. I, I saw the... Oh, now I can't think of who it's who's making it. That's supposed to be the dual-screen um, tablet computer, basically kind of like the Courier was supposed to be. I think it's Toshiba. Yeah, Toshiba. And that's supposed to be eleven hundred bucks when it comes out, and I think they said January. So yeah, I, I certainly kind of wouldn't pricey. call that a cheap price at all. Right, but that's something that could fail, or uh, and which could say, hey, next time we come out with a pro- product, we cannot hit that price point. We need to get something a lot lower. 
Yeah, and, and that seemed to be running the full-blown version of Windows 7. It even had the Chrome browser on there, so I've got a feeling that that's probably not going to do too well, but hopefully they can prove me wrong. But yeah. regardless, you should be able to watch Hulu on it, or at least yeah. Plus. Yeah, talk about something that's a little too expensive for its price point. I think Hulu Plus is a little pricey at 10 bucks a month. Yeah, I would say so. I, I was kind of... I could see maybe like 50 bucks a year or something like that, but 10 bucks a month seems to be a bit much in my mind. Especially when yeah. you're not actually owning any content. This is just to have the ability to stream content. And you're and still plus, getting ads. And you're still getting ads. Yeah, exactly. I like to see, I, I'm glad to see that they're uh, expanding out to other devices because this is something that they had to do. They have to make it portable. Uh, in order for people to to be able to take advantage of Hulu Plus um, to feel that they're getting their money's worth. Um, But they only seem to be unlocking uh, old content, meaning that there would be additional series and back back catalogs of shows. Um, But um, there aren't going to be any Hulu Plus premium channels that are only available for Hulu Plus users. As in the names of the content, like, uh, like for instance, there there won't be any HBO shows or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it doesn't seem like a very good value to me. I mean, have, being able to watch Hulu on all kinds of different platforms is nice, but at the same time, Hulu Plus only gets you like a list of shows in terms of like the full seasons and stuff. It only gets you like 118 full seasons, and, yeah. And a lot of them, it's like all nine seasons of the X Files or all six seasons of The Office or whatever. So you're essentially only going to get maybe what 20 shows or something like that that are going to have like their full series available. Yeah. In order for something to be this to be actually really successful. I think they need to release the the APIs for Hulu Plus. They need allowed need to allow it to be integrated in anything and everything, um, so regular developers can say, "Hey, I'm going to add Hulu into my application." Mm-hmm. Um, but and also uh, a big sticking point for me is that they still don't have CBS shows and they don't have all the other networks, so it's not a one stop shop. Um, but it is a good proposition. I think this is a step forward. Just like how Netflix doesn't have every movie for streaming, um, I think increasing in popularity is something that uh, gives a good momentum for them to build upon uh, what they currently have and make it something extremely viable in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised at all the different platforms that it's actually coming to. It's coming to, what is it, um, Samsung, internet-connected TVs, Blu-ray players iPad, iPhone, iPhone, or the iPhone 4, the 3GS, third generation iPod Touch, um, the PlayStation 3, which I'm still kind of irritated with that. Right. (laughs) Well, the thing is, they're saying, well, in the coming weeks or whatever, it'll start working on the PlayStation 3. It worked on the the PlayStation 3 to begin with. It's just one night out of the blue, they decided, okay, that's enough, we're turning that off. Yeah, and then I think you have to sign up for the the PlayStation Network Plus, right? 
Yeah, I think you do, which that's 50 bucks a year. And it's also, and I hate to admit that I'm wrong, but it's also coming to the Xbox 360, which, from the sounds of it, it's going to be coming the same time as Natal launches. And with that, I'm sure you're going to have to have the Xbox Live Gold membership. So that's the 50 bucks a year on top of the $10 a month. Mm-hmm. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's not something that I will be getting. And not just because they proved me wrong about being on the Xbox 360. Yeah. Although that does irritate me. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, seeing how they are stipping, uh, staying with uh, uh, set-top boxes, I haven't seen Roku listed. Um, that would be something that will also give a great value for the current uh, Netflix boxes that are currently out there to help unify this. Boxy's not listed, which is, uh, I know that they really, really wanted, or had Hulu on their platform before they um, restricted and blocked them. So um, th- these are still some holes in their rollout strategy. Um, hopefully, as they partner up with more people, we'll hear more and more announcements. Well, last I had heard, it was working on Boxy. Not, it's not that it was officially supposed to work on Boxy, but last with I the workaround. Yeah. yeah, I think there's some kind of a workaround that you can still get it working on Boxy. Yeah, but officially, though, I'm saying I'm surprised that that's one. Just like the PlayStation Network, um, that's something that did work before, but they actively try to block it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this is gonna this is gonna be interesting. I'm kind of curious to see how many people actually subscribe to it. I I've got a feeling that unless they start getting even more shows than just like 118 seasons or whatever, I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of people actually subscribing to it. Right. But anyway, speaking of 18. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, apparently Blockbuster stock is now at 18 cents and yeah. since it's been under a dollar for more than 30 days, it is being delisted on the new from the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, since they have problems getting subscribers and members, they've their stock price has taken a dramatic plunge. And um, what they wanted to do is do a reverse stock split in which um, they'll say one share is now equal to a third of a share and kind of combine their money. Well, it's going to have to be more than that if it's 18 cents. But they couldn't even get enough votes. People will show up. They had people vote yes for the matter, but they couldn't get quorum. Um, so they, they have problems motivating even their own shareholders to save them from being delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, this is the only reason I really chose this story because I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a lightweight story. There, this was about the only article I really saw on it. But the only reason I really chose this was just because I like being able to say "I told you so," and my prediction is still on track for Blockbuster being dead by the end of the year. Yeah, um, they're the. They're in a desperate situation, and it seems like their management just doesn't get it. Just doesn't get it, and it looks like they're not getting it. Um, they, they're being—they're way too protective, and um, people—and and they try to, at least in some markets, copy. Uh, I think Redbox even, and they try to copy Netflix. Um, but their strategy just seems 
too desperate and uh, non-cohesive to to be successful. So um, I expect to see some people fired over this, and then and a new announcement saying we're going a new direction. That's the only way that I see them surviving for the rest of the year. Yeah, they've already closed a thousand brick and mortar stores, and I'm sure there will be more coming. There's and they're still losing money even after they've closed all those stores and it just seems to me to me i think they kind of went wrong when they pretty much like killed their marketing efforts to an extent i mean it Mm -hmm. used to be like especially like back in the 90s everyone used to talk about their block what they're going to do for their blockbuster night where they go to blockbuster rent a couple movies come home with a bowl of popcorn too and it was just kind of Everybody referred to movie rental night as like a blockbuster night. Yep. And after Blockbuster kind of dropped the whole campaign, they just kind of faded from public consciousness, and they never did anything after that to try and replace that momentum. And in the meantime, you get other companies like a Hollywood Video, which I think they've they're now out of out of business, or they're in the process of closing down, or whatever. Or and then eventually Netflix, they come in and with a better business model, steal away a bunch of the business, and by that point, Blockbuster doesn't have a clue what to do. They're mm-hmm. uh, committed to this old business model, yet they're not doing anything around it to try to help it or save themselves or anything. And in the end, that's what has killed the company. Yeah, if Blockbuster came out with a streaming only service, which you still can't get from Netflix. And have it reasonably priced, um, so eight ninety nine, right underneath um, Hulu. Uh, I think that is something that's compelling that I would look into, even dropping Netflix, because I'll get rid of the DVDs and go straight for streaming. But the, the thing is that the Netflix has is integration in other devices, like um, like the Xbox and the Wii and all these other platforms that they don't have yet because they haven't been vigilant about it. Yeah, they've the only possible move that they could make, and at this point, I don't think they've got the time or the money to do it, would be to go straight streaming, negotiate whole new contracts with all the movie studios, as to where you're getting brand new movies like as soon as they come out. None of this 28 days later to help DVD sales or whatever. You have to come up with some good deal that the movie studios are going to like as to where they're going to give you brand new big blockbuster films for streaming like as soon as they come out, something that Netflix can't offer at this point and mm-hmm. give and put your and say that you've that because of that you have a greater value than Netflix. That's pretty much the only real thing that could possibly save them, but I don't think that they have the time or the money to do it anymore. Right, or uh, or the intellectual um, thinking outside the box know-how to do it either. Yeah, well, and I don't think they've got enough clout anymore with the movie industry to be able to negotiate those kind of deals like Netflix might. Yeah, it all depends. It's it, it may be less to help not Blockbuster and more to hurt Netflix. We we never know. Yeah, could be. Who knows? But then again, it seems like the movie studios are starting to like Netflix a little bit more now that they're willing to delay 
DVD rentals for 28 days to help DVD sales. Right. So, who knows? But, anyway, I just wanted to point out that my prediction is on track for the death of Blockbuster by the end of the year. Yes. Which, if so, it's anything like Circuit City, what was it? Not it was, I don't even think it was a month before they declared bankruptcy after they got delisted from the stock market, wasn't it? Right. And also, I think it was like two weeks. Another sign that uh, Blockbuster has the wrong management on top, they were actually negotiating to buy Circuit City. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah, which that never made any sense to me. They were negotiating to buy them for a billion dollars, which where they'd even come up with a billion dollars, I don't have a clue. Right. At the same time, they're closing their own stores and they're trying to purchase another brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's like the dying trying to save the dying. But well, I, I won't shed a tear when they die. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that I thought was was dead, apparently Microsoft is trying to reinvent the whole alkaline battery industry. Apparently yeah. they've come up with this new technology that they call InstaLoad that allows you to place your batteries, whether they're AA, AAA, Cs, Ds, whatever, in any order in a device that you want. No more having to line up the pluses and the minuses and everything. This They've just come up with a way to throw the batteries in there and it'll work. And this is only about 10 or 15 years too late. <laughs> yeah, I, I, personally, I, I don't remember, well, eh, I would say when my Wii is the last time I used batteries, but I use rechargeable batteries. But th- this is interesting because this is one of the only times I remember that non-consumer specific electronics, like things like a, a flashlight, uh, could benefit from uh, Microsoft innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, and I don't even know anybody that really still uses al- alkaline batteries like your double A's and your triple A's and stuff other than in TV remotes anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. I've, I've got the other day I was going through a box of some old gaming stuff like my game boy games some game, my game cubes and whatnot. And I ended up com- coming across a whole great big, huge stash of double A AA and triple A batteries that I had totally forgotten. I had even had, but I haven't had anything that I, other than my TV remote, I don't have anything that I put batteries in anymore. I mean, yeah, I've still got my whole collection of Game Boys and stuff, but I don't play them anymore. I play the ones like my Nintendo DS that I can, that has the lithium-ion battery that I can just plug into the wall and recharge. Yes. I don't know other, so I don't really know the last time I used a regular battery. Yeah, they don't really have a lot of detail, um, but. From the logo, it seems like uh, the little nipple portion of the battery is just going to be put on the bottom part and the top part, and the battery is going to figure out the flow. Um, also, it could be the way that the recess is made for the battery, um, that only the contacts uh, that match up, meaning that um, it might ignore the bottom portion if it's the negative side and only see the top portion. Uh, if it's the positive side, uh, like it'll only make contact with those portions, uh, depending on the setup, that could be how it works. Um, but it seems like a pretty much, uh, 
a no-brainer as in why didn't somebody think about this before kind of idea. Well, that's what I always thought 15 years ago was why do I have to put these in paying attention to the positive and negative? Why can't I just throw them in? Why can't they come up with some way that I can just throw them in whatever I feel like? Because if I'm, if it's a blackout and I'm fumbling around in the middle of the dark for a flashlight and find out the battery's dead and trying to stick in new ones, I, I'm not going to be able to see which in which way the flashlight tells me to put the positive and the negative. I'm just going to start throwing batteries in there until something starts to work. Right. Why this didn't come 15 years ago, I don't understand. Yeah, well, also the positive note, it seems that Microsoft is licensing the logo and the plans for this uh, for people who are doing implementations for the disabled or any usability-faced uh, programs uh, for, for those who might have problems with this. Uh, he, they're giving it away from fr- for free. Um, but uh, all other implementations, uh, there's going to be a slight cost, royalty. Um, and uh, they also are provor- pro- providing free, uh, free starter kits for people who want to see about um, evaluating these into their de- and putting it in their designs. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to know just how much Microsoft spent on R&D on this compared to how much they're going to end up making back with licensing and everything. Because something tells me they probably spent way more to develop this than they're going to ever make back. Or it could have been, like, as I said, people who are messing around with controllers, like for the Xbox 360, like, man, I wonder why these are always like this. I wonder why can't we change them to do it this way and it could have been like a just a simple idea from somewhere in their lab who knows mm-hmm. yeah i'm hopefully this will hopefully something will come of this i doubt it but maybe but anyway we're running late so speaking of microsoft apparently they've decided that after only selling 10,000 units of the kin it's time to just kill the whole phone whole two phones yeah, the so Ken did not last long. I think sub six weeks. Um, they're committed to still sell them through Verizon, um, but uh, their rollout plans uh, to go international and to other vendors and and providers has have basically been axed. Um, the good thing is that they're going to refocus on Windows Phone Seven and roll the Ken team into that team. So what they learned from this project won't befall Windows 7 when it finally rolls out. Yeah, I've been reading a lot about kind of like why it died, what's going to happen now that the kin is dead, and and it seems to be largely a big power struggle with upper management. It seems to be a big part of it. But at the same time, when you have that low of sales, it doesn't really surprise me too much that it's going to be killed this soon anyway. I mean, what was it, two weeks ago or whatever, the big rumor was that it only sold 500 units, and that's between the two Kin phones, the Kin 1 and the Kin 2. But, yeah, I, I never understood the whole purpose of the Kin in the first place anyway, because I think the Kin was announced after Windows Phone 7, I think. I'm I'm trying to recall for sure. Cause yeah, 
Yes, it was. It was. Um, and people were wondering whether or not this was the first Windows 7 phone device. And the answer, no, it's kind of Windows, but it's kind of not Windows. So it confused a lot of people. And yeah. then also being CDM- CDMA instead of GSM, which means that they could have rolled it out to multiple car- carriers simultaneously, but then it became a Verizon exclus- exclusive. It, it, it was very confusing. Yeah, I I never saw a purpose of the phone. I mean, the phone in and of itself is just ugly anyway. It's this little tiny, tiny little square-looking device that I. it's nothing that would even remotely appeal to to me. And it's got this whole slide-out thing, and when it's not slid out, it's got like it looks like it has these parts of it that are overhanging the screen that just don't look very good. But... I never understood why they were even going to mess with the kin. I mean, yeah, I understood they bought Danger. They wanted to do something with the technology, blah, blah, blah. But if you've already announced Windows Phone 7, why are you going to release a kin that, when it can't do apps or anything like that, and is basically just one step above a feature phone, why are you going to do that and essentially really hurt your reputation in the mobile space when you've got something as big as Windows Phone 7 coming. Only thing I can think of is that they had some sort of contract with Verizon and say, yes, we'll commit to developing this project but uh, and fulfilling that commitment. Or um, when the purchase of Danger, um, they had a commitment to this type of project uh, as the um, as a condition of some people staying on instead of quitting and leaving Microsoft uh, through the acquisition, uh, the, the, something like that would be the only reason why they would do it, do this and quit so early. Is to saying, okay, we'll do it. We committed to doing this, but if we don't hit these numbers, then your project's dead. And I think, of course, they didn't hit those m- numbers and kill the project. Well, I'm kind of curious to know just how much money they've wasted on the can. I mean. Lately, I've been seeing all kinds of ads for the can on TV and the movie theater and stuff, all of which have been a little on the strange side. I think they probably could have done a whole lot better from a marketing perspective. But I'm kind of curious to know just how much they spend on marketing and still only end up selling 10,000 units. Yeah, this well, the, of the 10,000 units, I wonder how much of that a good portion and um, didn't get sent out and... Uh, gratis to press and people for evaluation units, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, the, the, they probably spent millions millions of dollars for this effort, and that's not even including R and D, and uh, probably um, uh, they probably had to pay some money to Verizon to 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 guarantee the pre-orders of these phones, and not the pre-orders, but um, saying that you know we'll cover at least this much spin-up costs with you guys testing it on your network. Yeah. Well, and I, I think they almost kind of killed any chance of any guys really wanting the phone as soon as they unveiled the fact that this was Project Pink. <laughs> you don't call something Project Pink and then expect guys to want to buy the phone. Yeah, it looks like Microsoft's going to have pink eye because of this. Yeah, they... For as much good as they do in some areas, it seems like their marketing stuff and other ideas just makes no sense at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just like different marketing agencies that they work with or what, but 
they need some re- they need some major help in some areas. Maybe I need to talk to somebody about that. Yeah, the good thing is that their advertising did look new and different, but it still was crap. Uh, hopefully their agency, they fired them and uh, brought on someone else who actually knows uh, Microsoft products and Microsoft consumers. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're like about seven minutes over and we still haven't even got a, and we're just now done with our stories. So on to the tips of the week, which, of course, like with all the stories, you can find at globalgeeknews.com, which so you can get links to all of the all the tips in more detail, all the stories in more detail. And, of course, we're going to start the tips off with one that probably could have been a story, that being apparently the fact that if you're a Twitter user, you're more likely to get job interviews. This one kind of surprised me, but the more I thought about it, it made a lot of sense. Apparently, if you're a Twitter user, you're better with putting a lot of information in a few amount of of words so apparently that makes you better at writing cover letters and a resume so yeah right (laughs) yeah i I don't know i'm kind of curious to i don't know maybe i'll write up a quick resume for myself and throw it out there and see what people think about it just to see if my amazing twitter skills of having, what, tweeted like 18,000 tweets by now or something like that, have done to make me better at my resume. But anyway, next one being 10 useful WordPress security tweaks. For those of you like us that happen to be running anything on WordPress, you might want to check this out if you're scared that your WordPress install might get hacked. And this has 10 different useful tips. This is coming from Smashing Magazine. Everything from preventing unnecessary info from being displayed, forcing SSL usage, um, doing stuff with the WP config file, blacklisting users and bots, which is always nice if you're trying to cut down on the amount of spam that you get. Um, there's all kinds of different stuff like protecting yourself from script injections so you don't have to worry about what happened to YouTube happening to you. All kinds of different stuff. Make sure you check this out if you are a WordPress user. Next, being top 10 free video players for Linux users. So if you're a Linux user or, like me, happen to take the occasional... um, Uh, I don't know if I want to... I can't think of a word that I want to use there. The occasional visit into Linux land. This might be a good idea for you to check out just so you have an idea of what kind of media players are available. Of course, there's the always popular VLC, but apparently you can even get Real Player, Zine, Totem, SM Player, Ogle, M Player, Miro... Caffeine and Nash and yeah, it looks like that's about it. So if you're a Linux user, you might want to check this out. Or if you're just going to Linux on occasion and you're looking for a good media player, it's a good list to check out. Finally, for those that are interested in hacking their Nook, because if you're one of about 20% of the ebook 
market, chances are you're going to have one of the nooks. If you're looking to hack it to kind of run your own software and whatever, there is a nice guide and stuff over at um, the Nook Dev Soft Root project for rooting your Nook and doing all kinds of fun stuff with it. Which, that wraps up all of our tips of the week. Um, uh, excuse me, hang on there. Okay. I For some reason, I'm just kind of out of it tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> Same here. It's the weekend. It's the holiday, probably. Yeah, well, I, I stayed up till it was like after one with the dog last night because of all the fireworks and everything, and then ended up waking up at like 6 o'clock this morning, and so I just didn't get a whole lot of sleep. But anyway, everybody, you guys can follow, you can or you can check out all the links in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show at globalgeeknews.com. And if you really like us, subscribe with your PayPal account and send us 5 bucks a month. We'd really appreciate that. Or you can even send us even more than that using the donations page or the donations link at the top of the page, which then again takes you to another page. And as always, anything more than a hundred bucks will get you a free Global Geek News t-shirt. And I'm also kind of looking for suggestions for how you might want to change the show. I know this wasn't our best show just because I'm kind of out of it, so this may not be the best one to criticize, but last week's episode was a good one, I thought, so maybe go back, listen to that one, and if you have any critiques, changes that you'd like to see, let us know. I've also put up a new poll starting this evening for that asks you that asks kind of how you'd like to change the show. So feel free to give us a little bit more of your input as to how you'd like to see the show to change. Don't forget to tell your friend, all your friends and family about the show. We are always looking for new listeners, and don't forget you can get a hold of us at twitter.com/globalgeeknews. I am twitter.com slash pcnerd37. Wesley is twitter.com slash wesley83. And I think that's pretty much it for this week, unless there's anything that you would like to add. Nope, nope. That's all I had. Alrighty. Well, I guess we will talk to you all next week, and hopefully I'll be a little bit more on my game after I hopefully get some sleep. See you guys next week. Later. Later.